Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, dulcet buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of dulcet buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye, and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 32nd episode, Changing Plans. Hi there, I am back. (laughs) I know some of you have been waiting for this episode or next instalment, and I can only apologise, it's been a while now. I love doing the podcast, although it does take a lot of energy and sometimes I only have so much to give. And when I do, the podcast tends to be the thing which sort of falls off the uh, the bottom of the, the list. Because when I do it, I want to try and bring the best of my energy to it. And I'm sure like many of you, my energy levels have been all over the place during these past few months. Although... As I'm getting older, my body is also changing in more ways than one. (laughs) And I used to be a complete night owl, but that has totally, totally changed. And I'm definitely a morning lark now. Although getting up at a time when normally I might have stayed up late till is actually not a good thing. (laughs) How about you, though? How are you? What's happening with you? I would love to hear from you. I... Think about where you are, where you're listening, what you're doing. Uh, I know in the past some of you have written and told me that you listen when you're ironing or walking the dog or gardening or sat doing your crafting. And I wonder how your routines have had to change and adapt under the restrictions that you're in at the moment, which seem to, if you're anything like us, either ease or get tighter. So it'd be great to hear from you and know what you've been up to. I know that life as we knew it, the the reality is it's not going to be like that. For a, a very long time, if ever at all, you know, this is what we're living through as our generation. And we're all having to make adjustments. And for me, a few recent events have shown me how changing plans can actually lead to a new event or a new way of doing things and to some positive uh, outputs as well. Today then, what have I got for you? Well, it wouldn't be the podcast if I didn't mention the weather. (laughs) Autumn has definitely arrived, bringing the the wind and the rain with it. Making not a lot of knitting has been happening of late, which I would like to rectify. Dorset buttons, there's a lot happening here and that's probably why there's not a lot of personal making to report to you. Local lowdown, I chat about a new recent experience for me. And across the bridge, I have an interview for you with Anne Frost from the podcast I Thought I Knew How. And Anne had to change her plans due to the pandemic, which actually meant she got to come across the bridge to Sky. And I got the chance to interview her. The weather. Autumn felt like it arrived early, sort of August time, really. 
the the bracken seemed to turn really early. Not that I am complaining. <laughs> it just felt like uh, summer, which certainly started back in April, uh, left us really in August. Although we did have some warm temperatures and the midges were just relentless. And I'm pleased that that is the one great one of well one of the great things about the autumnal winds and rains they've certainly sent the uh, midges on their way I think this year for me is the worst I've ever seen them since I've been living on sky um, maybe there just weren't enough people around on sky this year for all of them so those of us that were here uh, got extra bites <laughs> one of the best things about the weather at this time of the year though here on Sky is the light. This week alone we've seen so many different colours in the sky. We had one day where we had these really heavy, heavy clouds but the greyness had this amazing bluey tinge to it all day and I mean it was a dark day we had to have the electric lights on all the time but this blue tinge was really beautiful and then late afternoon as the sun was setting the clouds just disappeared and full sunset absolutely incredible today we started with a beautiful sunrise amazing rays reds and oranges and within an hour it was grey, <laughs> the wind and the rain. And you would never have known we had all this wonderful colour and light first thing in the morning. That's what I love, though. There's uh, so much happening at this time of year and it casts such beautiful light on the landscape as well because the sun is uh, so much lower in the sky. Temperatures have definitely been mild. Um, there's been very, very little snow so far. There's been a couple of light dustings on the mountain tops over towards Noydart, but we would see them in the morning and then it, they'd be gone in a few hours. So there's been nothing yet at ground level. Making. I realise now at the beginning that I said I hadn't done much. However, I also realised that I last spoke to you at the beginning of August. I actually thought it was more recent than that. So I have finished two projects. First up is the stripy tea top Ramier. Well, I say finished. It's finished in terms of its knitting. <laughs> the exciting bit. <laughs> I've now got to sew the ends on the hem and join up the eye cord kind of cast off edge and bind off edge. So it's now one of those projects that's on the pile that's no longer interesting because I want to get back to the knitting needles. The project that I have completely finished and worn a few times is the Wonderlight Tea by Tiff Nealon. I highly recommend this pattern. It's so well written. It's got enough detail to kind of keep your interest going. It's got this beautiful herringbone stitch, which is something I've never done before. And it's a lovely texture and it's got slip stitch in it. And because you knit it in a double knit weight, it just knits up really quickly. And the sleeves are kind of integral into the main body and, and they're short. So, yeah, I'm actually going to knit another one. I didn't do the positive ease on this one because I wanted a fitted top and I, and I love it as it is. But the second one I'm going to do, I am going to do with a positive ease just to do a different, um, slightly different style. But it's, it's a beautiful top to do. I can highly recommend that pattern, as I say. The tripartite 
by Stephen West that I talked about last time, which is in lace, which is like a sort of um, floaty big waistcoat. That has fallen on another pile. It's the pile I'm calling, oh, I need to reassess you. (laughs) I think it's just too small. I'm a tight knitter, although nowhere near as tight as I used to be. Despite doing a swatch, I've still got a lot of yarn left. And the point that I'm at with it, I know that I'm nowhere near going to use all of that yarn. So I'm actually going to frog it and start it again on a, on a much bigger needle. Talking of Stephen West, are any of you or have any of you done his mystery shawl, the slip extravaganza? For me, I started it. History is repeating itself though with me. I have never been good at keeping up on a knit along. (laughs) My track record is not good. (laughs) In fact, with this one, I've actually gone backwards. I finished the first section, which if you've seen is like a sort of triangle of honeycombs. I kept looking at it and one of the colours was just jarring with me. I took photos of it and looked at it on photos, looked at it for real. And I knew that it was always going to annoy me and it just wasn't right. So I have started knitting that section again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still on section one. (laughs) And I'm seeing all these beautiful, amazing finished slip extravaganzas on social media. And there are some really stunning colourways. If if you don't know it and you haven't seen, go and seek it out because it's an incredible design. I've got a long way to go on mine. So I think it's going to be a while before that one gets finished that I can show you. That's it then for my projects. All my other projects like the ILA jacket with the sleeves and some of those things that have still got bits left to do are still on those piles. And in the meantime, my list of projects I would like to knit just keeps getting bigger. (laughs) There are so many beautiful designs out there to knit. Dorset buttons. There's a huge amount happening in the Dorset Button TJ Frog world at the moment and far too much to go into for this episode. So I will save it for another time and just mention a couple of things here. Firstly, I would like to extend a massive thanks to all of you who supported me at Glasgow School of Yarn. Whether you commented, shared, liked, purchased, all of them mean so much in terms of supporting and promoting a business like mine and I know that the other vendors who took part they all thought it was a great event and a lot of support was shown for it. I was certainly blown away by the response. It was organised by the Yarn Cake in Glasgow to celebrate their 10th anniversary and they had to change their plans. It was due to originally be a physical yarn festival And they had to change it to a virtual show and they worked very hard for the vendors doing this with lots of social media outputs over the course of the weekend. You may well have seen they did this online virtual room and hanging on the walls was in effect our product photos that we had sent in. They were sort of hanging there like paintings. It was a novel way of promoting each of the vendors it wasn't something I'd seen before and I know some of the other vendors as well it was quite a surprise to us when we signed on on the first day of the show and it was lovely to see what they had done so yes thank you very much to everybody who got engaged and involved in the show that weekend and also to those of you who ordered for your kindness and patience with some of the delays in getting your orders out 
This week then, there are three events running which all feature my products. <laughs> and another reason why I wanted to get the podcast out just to let you know about a couple of them in particular, which you know you may want to dip into or know about for the future. Firstly then, a, a local event for me. November would normally be a time when we would have our local craft group Christmas event, a three-day craft fair, which is just unable to happen at the moment with our current level of restrictions in the Highlands. We are able, though, to have an event of sorts, so it was decided to hold it in a more exhibition-style format. And it's currently running for two weeks at the Plockton Village Hall. And there's about a dozen of us who have a table there. And we have all the relevant COVID requirements in place. And there have just been two of us working there each day. There's a one-way system. People can walk around as many times as they want to. They pick up what they would like to buy and then they take it to a single pay desk. And it has been incredibly well received and supported, which is fantastic. I don't know if it's because people particularly like the format or whether it's just because people have been inside for so long and haven't had the opportunity to go to a shop or a craft fair. Whichever it is, or whether it's a combination of everything, it has worked really well for everyone. And it's certainly given us food for thought for the the way ahead with craft fairs and whether an exhibition style might be something to adopt in the future. Secondly, I wanted to bring your attention, if you've not already heard, of the iNit 7 holiday extravaganza. And this started on Monday the 9th of November and it runs through to Sunday the 15th of November. If you don't know about iNit7, then do take a look at their website, which is iNit7.com. It is an event that's run predominantly on Instagram with each shop having a feature day with daily live interviews with the owner of a business whose products they stock or somebody of, of interest related to to their shop. They have chats, they do a show and tell. Each shop though does offer a discount on their products and if you actually sign up to the iNit iNit 7 newsletter you will get sent all the information for this. So you can actually visit their websites and you don't then actually need to sort of go through the Instagram channels to to get their discounts and purchase their products. INIT7 then is a, is a collective of seven owners of yarn bricks and mortar shops. There's one from Edinburgh, one from Dublin and the rest are from throughout England. They all came together in the early part of the pandemic to support one another. They met up uh, via Zoom, which a lot of people seem to have done over the past few months. No longer able to open their shops to visitors. Many of them switched to doing virtual appointments with customers and, you know, other online activities. And collectively, they held their first INIT 7 week-long event back in May. And they're back for more this week. This time, though, my Dorset buttons are making an appearance. Yeah, amazing. Really, really chuffed with that. And they are at Tribe Yarns in Richmond in London. And I've been trying to recall whether I've actually spoken to you about Tribe Yarns before or not. And I honestly can't remember. I briefly visited Tribe Yarns back in February. Unfortunately, the day that I visited, we'd left home at three o'clock in the morning to fly down to London. Garrett had a meeting at Twickenham and I decided I would go and do some stuff in, in Richmond. 
I had a headache though. I was incredibly tired and I was freezing cold and I got to Richmond and the first thing I thought is I need more clothes on. And I found a, an outdoor shop that was having a closing down sale and bought a fleece for £10 and I wish I'd actually bought two or three of them. Um, so I remember like getting this fleece and putting this fleece on and then heading up to uh, Tribeyarns in Richmond. And, and if you know Richmond, Tribeyarns is completely as far away as possible from the train station. So it was quite a long walk all the way through Richmond and up to the, the top of Richmond Hill. However, if you do ever get the chance to go when the world, world opens up again, the walk is definitely worth it. Richmond is a beautiful um, place anyway. Lovely um, shopping streets, lots of independent shops. And Tribe Yarns is definitely one of those go-to yarn destinations. Lovely building. It has this amazing spiral staircase in it, which you do have to concentrate on to walk up. <laughs> um, but it's lovely. And Millie, who owns and runs the shop, has an incredible creative style. I only managed to quick look around, but I was amazed by the extent of products that she had. Some really quite different and unusual things I'd not seen anywhere else. And also some of the innovative layout ideas and pieces of furniture and structures she was using to display everything. It was, it was a really beautiful shop to go into. I'm certainly looking forward to returning there one day when I can have a proper look round when I'm not quite so tired, not so cold and don't have a headache. <laughs> Millie was introduced to my Dorset buttons via some samples of Di Gilpin's knitwear which were taken to her shop. It was lovely to watch Millie do a live chat on Instagram with Di and Sheila and it can still be found on the Tribe Yarns IGTV if you want to have a look. It's a lovely chat about colours of yarn and choosing colours as well. And you also get a little peek at my buttons too. <laughs> Finally, another event which has arisen from the pandemic and changed plans is the Online International Fibre Festival organised and run by Anne Frost of the podcast I Thought I Knew How. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Anne is the focus of the interview today and you will hear how her plans changed in this interview. The Online International Fibre Festival also started on the 9th of November and runs through to the 16th of November. And each day Anne is showcasing a different country and is featuring some vendors from each of those countries, their region, the culture, the place, and any food specialities or recipes from that area, as well as a link to classes on Craftsy to have a look at each day. Every morning, Anne puts up a video on her website, which is oiff.familypodcasts.com, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And Anne talks through what is going to happen during the day. She tells you about the vendors and shows some of the products. And there's also links to online activities which might be a video about the region or it might be a piece of music and I think it's a really clever concept that Anne has come up with. It's supposed to be a whole day where you go shopping online in the morning, in the afternoon you watch a few videos about um, the region, the place and in the evening there's a little bit of entertainment whether that be as I say in the form of a, a piece of music and it's designed really that you can 
sit and do it with all family members. You can also join in with Anne. She has chat over on Facebook, on Ravelry and also, as I say, there's posts on Instagram about it too. On Sunday the 15th of November, it's the Hebrides Day. And yes, that's when TJ Frog makes an appearance. (laughs) If you are listening to this podcast after these events have finished, which I realise some of you might be, then with both INIT7 and OIFF events, I think it's still worth taking a look at their websites to check out the different shops, the different vendor information, and take a peek to see if there's any future events that they might have planned. I have already seen on Anne's website that the OIFF will run again in May 2021 and it will become a yearly event each spring. And I'm quite sure that we've not yet heard the last of INIT7 either. So as I say, please don't be disappointed if you've missed what's happening this week. I'm sure there's lots more to come from both of these two event organisers. On to the Sky Focus then, starting with the local lowdown. On Sky, it's like anywhere, it's a period where it's been heartbreaking to see people having to close their businesses, while also heartening to see some of the ways in which businesses and people are, are coming up with different and new ideas to keep themselves afloat, really. And the new experience which has arisen out of one of these different ways of doing things, for want of a better word, for me, is the drive-in cinema. (laughs) Have you ever been to one? I'd love to know. If you have, please do write in and tell me about your experience. I'd really like to hear about it. I know the drive-in cinema is something that uh, happens around the, the Highlands. We've just never been to one before. Back in the summer when things started to open up here, one of the hotels started up by doing a couple of these drive-in cinemas and they sold out. Sadly, their hopes for a longer and later tourist season have not been realised. First of all, when the Central Belt in Scotland went under tighter restrictions and many hotel bookings were cancelled overnight. And of course, the lockdown in England has put further paid to people travelling around the UK. This hotel then, once again, put on some drive-in cinemas and this time uh, we went along. Well, we were booked on the Sunday and the good old sky, wind and rain decided to show up (laughs) and in style as well, 80 mile an hour plus gusts. The poor screen can only stand up to winds of 24 miles an hour so it was never going to be a match for these uh, sky gusts that day. Yet again then, the hotel had to change their plans and two days later they tried again. They managed to rearrange their staffing allocations and the hire company they got all the equipment from, they managed to keep that for a few days longer. I have to be totally honest that our expectations were quite low. (laughs) The weather was still not great, the winds had completely sort of died down but we were still getting some quite heavy showers of rain. And I was imagining we were going to be having the windscreen wipers on for most of the movie. And I really wasn't sure quite how much we would get to see of the film. In the end, though, it was a brilliant evening. Really good. 
We were in the back row, right in the middle, and we had a great view of the screen. It was a double bill night, although we went to the first showing only, which was The Greatest Showman, and it was a film that we hadn't seen either, which was all the better. When we arrived then, the sun was just setting, and we just sat there. We had burger and chips delivered to the car, and we watched the pink clouds fade behind the screen as the sun went down. And then it was time to watch the film. It was it was really great. I was so enjoyed it. It was a novel experience and something I would definitely do again. We were driving home at seven o'clock and by the time I got home, I was absolutely shattered. <laughs> I had been working all day at the pay desk at the exhibition that I mentioned earlier and then followed by the cinema and then the drive home in the dark. It felt like it was about 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> So by eight o'clock, I was fast asleep. (laughs) Still, as I say, we enjoyed it. And more importantly, it was about supporting a local business at the moment who are just trying their best to keep going. Lastly, today's interview, Across the Bridge. And as I mentioned, it wasn't me going across the bridge this time. It was Anne coming across the bridge. And if you got my newsletter back in the middle of October, you will know that I had this interview ready to go then. As I say, I've just not been able to get going with the podcast and I would like to apologise to Anne for having not put this out sooner, especially as we're in the midst of her event at the moment. Anne had a fantastic woolly trip planned from the States to Europe and the UK and she had to change her whole itinerary in view of the pandemic. And it was great that it ended up that we were able to spend some time together. And if you've ever wanted any proof of us being COVID safe while we conducted this interview, then there are some authentic background sounds as we are sat outside on a bit of a windy, albeit dry, chilly day. You can listen out for our new neighbours here in the background, the cows. And welcome to the TJ Frog podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> That's okay. And also, welcome to Sky. It is so beautiful today. <laughs> it is so beautiful. I, you live in heaven, I think. This is a gorgeous place to be. We are sat outside overlooking the Sound of Slate and basically overlooking the Atlantic back to home, home. for you. Yeah. yeah, we'll be flying over it and... I think about five days time we'll be heading back well it's wonderful to have you here in person and thank you so much for coming here i'd just like to explain to all the listeners that you've been over for shetland war week mm-hmm. um sorry no you've not been over for shetland war week because there was no shetland there war was, week yeah, um yeah there was no shetland war week i was supposed to be in shetland but what happened was you were supposed to be in coming for Shetland War Week as mm-hmm. was, weren't you? So you still decided to make the trip and you came over and when you arrived here, you went straight into quarantine right. for a couple of weeks yeah. in Edinburgh. We actually had a mega trip planned. Um, we were going to be in three different countries over five weeks uh, because the, the initial plan before everything went crazy was we were going to go to Fano for Crystal Safe Arts oh. Festival. That's on my list to do one day. (laughs) And then we were going to Wool Week after that, and then we were going to Icelandic Wool Week. Oh, wow. Um, And so, of course, everything was canceled. Yes. Um, My husband and I both very 
luckily can work from anywhere that there's internet. And so we already had that time blocked off in our schedule. Um, and so when we looked into what would be possible, um, we decided that, you know, we had the time blocked off. We could rearrange our trip and just focus on the UK and do that two week quarantine, uh, at the start. So it was not fun. Uh, but we found a small house on the outskirts of Edinburgh and it had a little garden that we could go out in and have some sunshine um, and we could get groceries delivered. And we went back into that full lockdown state that we all found ourselves in in March. Yes. Yeah. And we're very glad when it was over. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, you've uh, been to Shetlands and Inverness yeah. and now you're on sky yeah so we had we had one day in edinburgh um which was good because my husband has not been at all and so we hit the highlights that were still open uh so that he could uh, get a taste of the city and then we were up in shetland for 10 days uh we did inverness for three i want to say and then uh two nights here on sky and then and after this we're heading to sterling and then to london before we go back home right Oh, and hand sanitizing, washing the the focus of our trips, I will say, has been mainly outdoors. We're we're um, getting a lot of walking in, which has been very nice, yes. especially after that two weeks stuck indoors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we have just been so fortunate that today your visit here on Sky has meant that we can uh, be outside as well. Yeah, you know, it's the weather just, cleared uh, up for us beautifully. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're the host of the podcast, I Thought I Knew How, mm -hmm. and also the host of the Online International Fibre Fest. Yes. So, first of all, the, the podcast, how long have you been running that for? I believe I started in January of last year, if I have this right. So, it would have been January of 2019 uh, that I started, and I, I go for... 14 um, episodes at a time and yes. then I have a bit of a break and then yes. I come back and do 14 again. Yeah. And I don't know why 14. It's just sort of <laughs> just arbitrary. happened. <laughs> it just happened that way. Um, and I should explain, it's it's like mine. It's audio as well, isn't it? Yeah, yes. just audio because video when I started uh, seemed like a step too far. I, <laughs> I I'd actually done an audio podcast with my family members uh for a few years before that and so I knew what I was doing with audio and the idea of having to edit video scared me and so um, I didn't even think about doing a video podcast it was just audio and that's what I listen to too I, I yes. listen to audio podcasts because it's you know car time and cleaning and things like that that's when I'm able to fit yes the podcast time in yeah I'm exactly the same um similar reasons as to why I went for audio and, and also there's there's a lot of great video um, podcasts out there but it yeah. is that sitting down and just right. watching um, you know it doesn't always it's not always conducive with with life day-to-day -day yeah. life Very Very <laughs> and like true. you say the audio you can do it when you're out walking at home all the you, you can just have it on in the uh -huh. background can't you true. and uh, yeah and I'd love to ask you, because I love the name. I thought I knew how. The reason why I started the pod, I have several reasons, and they all sort of related back to the name for this, I thought I knew how. Um, so we had lived in the Philippines for nearly nine years 
before we moved back to the United States. And coming back, I sort of went through my midlife crisis, I guess uh, you would say. So um, the cultures between the Philippines and the United States are very different. Um, and we were there in the Philippines long enough to feel comfortable there. Right. To feel like that was our home culture. Yes. Um, and so coming back to the United States was very difficult on all of us because, well, first of all, for my kids, they had grown up in the Philippines. My kids were uh, three and five. They turned four and six not long after we okay. got there. So that's that was their home. Um, and so the United States just felt very foreign to them in general. And, but then also, uh, for my husband and I just coming back and, and so much had changed in the U S over that time period anyway, that we really felt, uh, like foreigners in a strange land coming back to the U S. So there was that going on. I lost my mother also not too long. In fact, we moved back to try and help her out. Right. Um, and she passed four months after we, moved back. So there was that aspect of everything. Um, and then on top of it all, (laughs) I decided I wanted to, um, you know, knitting had always been, uh, a general hobby for me, uh, through my adult years. And I decided I wanted to really sort of dig down and, and learn, more about it. And the, the way I decided to do that was through the master hand knitter program offered by the knitter skilled association. And, um, I thought, well, this would be, you know, this would be a reason to start a podcast again. I, I mentioned I'd had one with my family beforehand. Um, and they, they were over it. They didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and so I thought this would be a podcast I could do on my own and sort of chronicle my, my learning through the master hand knitter program. And so, um, all of these things going on in my life, I just kept coming back to the, the phrase, I thought I knew how, you know, I thought I knew how to be an American (laughs) and I didn't, you know, I thought I knew how to be an adult, but when you lose your parent, that sort of crumbles a little bit beneath you as well. Um, and I thought I knew how to knit and I, there were all these things that I didn't realize I didn't know how to do the the right way, you know? So that's, um, that phrase was just sort of in my head as I was starting this. And then, and then of course you do all the things you do when you start something like this, you check for the domain name and you check for the accounts on social media and make sure that it hasn't already been taken and it, it hadn't. And so I thought, well, this is, you know, it's not leaving me. So this is what I'm going to embrace, uh, for the name of the podcast. And that's how it came to be. It's great. And I think you just mentioned there about, you know, the right way. And I think, probably one of the things we all see with life and with knitting there is actually no right way is there it's there's lots of ways right and some are better or work better than Mm. others or suit each of us better than others but sometimes it's it's finding that way isn't it and and like you say with the knitting we yes we knit one and purl one but then we know we find out there's different ways in which you can knit one and purl one how you hold your needles your yarn and yeah there is and that is that is and you know so I'll backtrack a little bit about that name and about you know saying I didn't know the right way because one of the one of my favorite lessons that I picked up from Shetland Wool Week last year which was the first time I was able to go to it 
And I heard this over and over and over again in the classes from teachers because people would ask, other students would ask, well, what is the right way? How do you do this? Yes. And the teacher, didn't matter who it was, would answer, it doesn't matter how I do it. However you get the fabric the way it's supposed to be, that's the right way. Yes. Now, with the Master Hand Knitter program, you really, they have certain ways they want it done, and you have to answer the questions and have have it right. And so there's my Master Hand Knitting knitting, and there's my knitting. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, no, I'm doing this for the program. I have to remember, okay, the last... You know, the stitches three through five at the end of the row need to be a little tighter. So that uh, when okay. I work back over, it'll even out, you know, so <laughs> have to make sure that. But anyway, yeah. So, um, but in, in life as well, you know, I still have my father. So I'm, I'm still a daughter. I'm still, you know, functioning as a child to someone. And so, you know, p- picking, picking that up and, and uh, carrying on that relationship um, is different than the relationship with, with my mom, but I do still have that parent figure. Uh, luckily feel very blessed with that. Um, and I am, I'm, I'm learning the aspects of American culture that I want back in my life right? and, and bringing that back in while trying to retain the aspects of the Filipino culture that I really, um, appreciate and that I think helped me grow in very good ways Mm. and incorporating all of this back in. So I don't know. I don't know how I would rename my podcast if I were now, (laughs) just whatever works for you. (laughs) I think it's great because I think there are lots of situations in life and in our crafting where sometimes we do, we do think we know what to do, but we find out we don't know or, or as I say that there's lots of different ways to achieve the same yeah. goal isn't there you and, know and it's okay not to know yeah also it's okay like yeah. answers come and you figure things out and life goes on yes kind of, yeah. oh thank you for explaining that <laughs> thank you for asking I don't know that anyone's ever asked me before so I I do appreciate that because I do know oh. it's an odd name and people have um in the past why don't you have knitting in your name you know it you don't mention knitting no in the podcast title and I was like well it was kind of bigger than just knitting when I started I mean, it is a knitting podcast, but um, some of the early episodes, I kind of cringe listening back to <laughs> I don't listen back to them. I don't want to <laughs> listen back to them because I do open up about, uh, especially my mother's death, and talk about the grieving process uh, going through that. Yeah, it does feel very personal, but it also feels that it's something that can be applied to lots of different yeah. scenarios as well. So it feels like it's got so much growth there still with, with everything that you're doing Thank so you now I'm excited to see where you where you take it and I have listened all the way back I did start right at the beginning with oh, your podcast wow. you yeah a gold star for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago so I, I think it must have been last year when I yeah. started so yeah I couldn't remember when how long you'd ago you'd started your podcast but I know that when I first learned about you through um Loch Ness Knit Fest yeah, it was um, I went back to the year. beginning and mm-hmm. listened to all of them yes, yes that's where we I've met done the wasn't same it? thing I love your podcast <laughs> I'm always happy when it pops up on my feed like oh oh, <laughs> oh will you listen to this one though <laughs> I don't know I don't know I'll have I have uh my daughter my youngest I have 
jokingly. Well, not, I shouldn't say that. She's actually quite good. I've hired her to be my personal assistant. Oh, <laughs> and she's so, she's so sweet about it. She really does do a great job. So I'll, I'll task her with listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll decide whether you, you listen to the Did end. I sound crazy? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. We mentioned then as well that you're also host of the online International Fibre Fest, which yes. has really come about with the pandemic, has it? Or, yeah, it, yeah. Um, gosh, the seed started for that really, I think, at the end of um, 2019, actually, because, well, when Edinburgh Yarn Festival cancelled, they cancelled before all of this happened. And then Loch Ness Knit Fest canceled yes. before all of this happened. Yes. And so I was already starting to feel a little discouraged about things being canceled. When the lockdown started and the first festivals that were just the local festivals in my area started getting canceled, that I already was disappointed, you know, by the two big ones I had been looking forward to. So the, it, it just felt like a series of blows to just lose, you know, it felt like every day another festival was being canceled. And I am a fiber festival aholic. You know, <laughs> I look forward to the spring because that's when they start up again. And being in New England, every state has their own uh, fiber festival, not to mention the fairs and things that will have fiber areas. And so there's tons of them around us that we can get to. And they were all canceling. And so very, very discouraged one day. And a friend of mine, um, who I was complaining to, <laughs> challenged me to find a way to make a thousand people happy. And I said, well, that's ridiculous because we're all stuck in our homes. How, how could I even begin to do that? And then the thought came to me, well, you could do, you could take it online. You know, you're having, I, I teach the children at our church. I'm the head of the Sunday school program there. And that was one of the things we did right away was we switched to doing uh, online song time with them every week. And it was sort of like, well, why don't you do this as a festival, you know, as a, as a knitting festival. And so I don't know what I was thinking really, because I decided to do it and I picked a date 11 days later to start it. <laughs> um, and I just, I, ju I put in 16 hour days wow. between when I met, made that first decision and the start of the festival. Well, first of all, I, I picked eight days because Shetland Wool Week was eight days. And I was like, well, that's a good amount of time for a festival. Don't you think, though, sometimes if you have this sudden deadline, you you just step up to the mark, well, don't you? That's what it was because it, I just became singularly focused. Yeah. You know? And so I, I picked eight countries because I, was, I knew I was going to miss out on all this travel. I picked eight regions that I had either been to or wanted to be to. Uh, and I just started contacting people, um, inviting them to be vendors, not even sure how I was going to have them be vendors. <laughs> um, and I knew Craftsy existed. And so I was like, okay, we can use that for the online classes. We can use YouTube and other online sources to, to put together some cultural activities for people. Recipes are online. People can cook their own dinners. Um, and it just... It came together and it, it, I mean, we, I, I beat Vogue knitting by two weeks. They were the first, <laughs> they were the first like real online festival yes. and, and yeah. ours came out two weeks before. Um, and 
the feedback was incredible because it was something positive when we really didn't know what was going on at all. You know, I had people sending me emails just so grateful saying, you know, my husband doesn't knit, but he watches the morning video every day and watches the afternoon activities with me or my grandkids are doing this with me and things like that. And so it really, it really, it felt good to give that to people with everything going on. And then of course, as ha- what happens with things like this is you get towards the end and people ask, when are we doing it again? <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing it again. Yes. We're doing it again in November. So that's coming up November 9th through the 16th. We're, we have eight new places we're going to visit, including the Hebrides. Yes. And Tanya's going to be one of our vendors. Thank you. From Sky. Thank you. I'm very excited <laughs> to bring Dorset buttons and your beautiful yarn and your coloring uh, projects that you have to everybody. I think you have a great little shop and I'm <laughs> eager for people to see it. No, it's, it's great. I think as well what you've done is you've captured more than just, you know, a marketplace. You've captured mm-hmm. a whole ethos and feeling about where those people live and um, what's happening in their sort of culture and community and like you said about, you know, foods and, and different aspects that the rest of the family can can learn and get involved in as well and I think uh, that's that's good it's not just focused on you know this is a shop you can buy from this is a shop you can buy from you know you're you're kind of learning more about the people and the places aren't you right well and it's I I love to travel so much and we've really been blessed to be able to travel um, as much as we have been as a family and it's I always learn something um that enriches my life by being able to step into someone else's culture. Um, and I know, I know, you know, YouTube videos, you're not stepping into someone else's culture. You're watching a YouTube video, but I, I, my hope with the, the cultural component of it is to get people to, to get enough of a taste of someplace else that it be, it becomes something that's on their radar so that when this is all over, um, and we can be a little more free with our travel again, that people look somewhere where maybe they hadn't before. I don't think it's just necessarily about people traveling, is it? It, it is also understanding, I suppose, the environment that those vendors are working in as well. You know, what what um, resources they've got, mm-hmm. um, what they haven't got, you know, connections. There's, there's, yeah. there's so much to learn. Um and it's, it, it's been an education for me. It's this um, this festival coming up has been uh, an education for me because, um, like, I don't charge the vendors to be involved with this. This is a, a free service. You know, this really is something I do because I love the fiber community. <laughs> this is a <laughs> gift. Um, and so I didn't want to charge the vendors, especially with COVID going on. I know it's such a struggle, you know, to make connections with your, your customers. But some of the approaches, some of the countries I involved this time, uh, there were some cultural aspects that I did not consider. And I, I really should have. Um, for instance, like with Japan, you don't just approach a company and say, hey, I want you involved in this cool thing I'm doing 
you really need an introduction and you need to build the trust first. So we don't yes. have a lot of vendors from Japan, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and others that uh, luckily things have opened up a bit more for them. But Peru, for instance, when I chose Peru, I've been to Peru and I love Peru. Um, and I know that they have several wonderful fiber traditions that are local there. And so I picked Peru. For my and I, I have a friend who was in the Peace Corps in Peru, and so she has business connections there, and so she could have helped me. You know, I thought she could help me connect with people. Uh, that's great, but when I announced Peru, I didn't realize that Peru was on total, complete lockdown. Yeah, they yeah. could not leave their towns. They weren't allowed out in the streets, basically. Yes, uh, and they couldn't mail things. Yeah, and so. We went forward with faith on that one, and luckily mm. things have opened up again. But, And that really was, I almost changed it, uh, but one of the vendors there really was like, please, let's, you know, let's please stick with this. Um, and luckily everything opened back up for them. But again, you know, we can be myopic with where we are. We think everywhere's the same. Yes, you know, we and, we, and we're all, as we know, operating under different restrictions right. at the moment anyway, right. aren't we? I mean, just in the UK alone, we've got all different Every, regions, you know. Yeah. So then you take it out to the world. It's um, Exactly. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's fantastic what you are doing. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it all comes together and yeah. see what everybody's, you know, put forward. I mean, the first one was so fast that it really was just like what we could scoop together got thrown in the pot. Um, and so it's been nice to have a bit more time, uh, to get this together. So we have a, a lot more of our vendors have been able to put together giveaways or some of our hand dyers have come up with special colorways that they're launching or patterns and the videos. A lot of my vendors have been <laughs> to because she's got one of them, um, have put, have have put you together. Watched it? Yes. I haven't had a chance because the, the internet, like you sent it to me and then we've been in places with horrible internet ever since. So I'm looking forward to it. Anne needs to give this, this video the go ahead first. So <laughs> you might not actually get it because um, there's a reason I don't do a video <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I assume it will be wonderful. To do it, the weather was bad, and then in oh, the end, no. it just got to the point I had to go out that day, and it was so windy. And everywhere I went, there's just wind buffeting so badly. But and that's sky, uh, right? Yeah, that's sky. <laughs> but it's been so nice to see the ones I have seen, and I'm sure yours is wonderful as well. Um, just people who really love their niche in our fiber world. Uh, I have uh, a woman who, um, teaches Portuguese knitting and so she did a video about that and people talking about the area that they're from and just just it's so wonderful to have members of the fiber community be able to contribute in this way mm. yeah I'm looking for, I'm I'm excited about it and then like even coming here you know knowing that uh, you wanted to talk about it had a few other ideas that when I go home I have to Ah. See if I can. We can talk about that later. I don't want to oh, put it on. No, no, thing, no, just no. In case it doesn't. Got to have out, some but... secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some surprises. <laughs> well, coming back then to what we were talking about, your trip to Shetland. Yes. Um, 
you've done a few interviews, a conversation with yes. um, various people on Shetland and they're hosted on the Jameson and Smith um, YouTube channel. Yes. And I have finally managed to watch them all, which has been really interesting. And not least to be able to see everybody again as well, which was yeah. lovely. And also the different things that you were bringing out. And I think a couple of people who, who I hadn't met before um but i'd heard lots about one was chris dyer and you've not met chris no oh my goodness i know so so you i need to make that a <laughs> He's great. so i found all his talk about being a, an archaeologist mm-hmm. and crofting as well absolutely fascinating and the other one was terry laura because i haven't met terry either but i've signed up to do her online designer crown Oh, that's good. I've done that one. Have you? Yeah, that's a good class. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, so they were two people who I didn't know and haven't met. Well, I've heard of them, but haven't met them. Yeah, that that was really fascinating. Yeah, Chris is so involved. He's someone um, who really embraced his new home. So he's Mm. originally from outside of London, and he and his wife moved up to Shetland, and they've been there, I think, 15 years, he said. Um, and has just, they, they ended up settling on Bressa and he is just part of the community there and, um, really does what he can, you know, throws himself into everything and really has a, a passionate love, I would say for Shetland and for crafting and the history that's there. I felt interviewing him about the archeology, span I really wish that we did a two-parter where we just sort of <laughs> focused on that for like an hour because yes. I would have loved to pick his brain even longer before we moved on to the crofting, which then I also would have liked to pick his brain yes. longer about. But he has he does croft tours uh, there on Shetland at Garth's Croft. So and he does those out with of Shetland Wool Week, doesn't he? he does them, yes, and he, yeah, you can contact yeah. him through Instagram. It's Garth's Croft Bressy is the username, and he'll he'll just arrange his schedule yes. so that it matches with yours and set something up um it's amazing what he's doing there on his croft um he's raising uh shetland breed sheep he has uh historic breed uh pigs as well and they have turkeys and chickens and um he's running the the farm the croft as close to I guess I would say like as close to authentically, mm. you know, with air quotes as possible. So he, he has the pigs to turn the soil so that it can be good pasture land for the, for the sheep and rotates through. And then he has the polycrub that you see up there, the yes. sort of half moon yes. looking, uh, greenhouse that they, they raise their, uh, vegetables in and they're, they're doing their best to just sort of live off the crop. And it's just a beautiful place to be. I haven't even been to Bresse, so I've I've been to Shetland. <laughs> I've been to Shetland six times, and I haven't How been have to Bresse. It's like a five-minute ferry ride. I know. I know. It just means place. I have to go back. It's like, Shetland's like yeah. one of those places you always just have to leave something so that yeah. you'll go back again. Yeah, because it is a bit of a bear to get to. So you want something pulling you back again. So, yeah. And then Terry is doing uh, wonderful things with wool advocacy right now. Um, she has a series called The Amazing Benefits of Wool where uh, she and Julie Dennison, who's an illustrator, came up with 12 wonderful aspects of wool yes I and they they have these little drawings and things to you know 
popularize them. And yeah, it's she's a great person to talk to too. Yeah, yeah it was it was fascinating, and definitely uh, any listeners who are interested in anything Shetland at all, then I would encourage you to go and watch those interviews that uh, Anne did. There's also Jeanette Budge, who's a knitwear, Shetland knitwear designer. There's Ella Gordon, who was the patron of All Week back in 2016, and she's knitwear designer as well, but also works at the wool brokers at Jameson and Smith. And then there was Barbara Gray at the the Textile Museum. Museum. Yeah, we'd encourage you to go and listen to those. Fingers crossed for next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have released dates they're just calling them provisional dates at this point though because they know who knows yeah you know and is that still the last week in september yeah it's week the in... last weekend of september through to the first how does that work the first weekend in october yeah. right yeah 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 so hopefully we'll be in a better place by then and people can travel again and yes be part of that people were very uh happy i was nervous making it known that we wanted to go. And then um, we reached out to some of our friends there and, and some acquaintances. Like we have friends, we have acquaintances and I wanted to sort of run it by both of them because I think I thought the acquaintances would be more likely to say, no, stay away. Um, and everyone said to come along, we'd be welcome and we could take, you know, gen- the, the precautions that we needed to. Um, but they, they miss people as well they're missing the the visitors and they're missing the tourism tourism such a yeah. big part of yeah. the economy there in shetland and so they were very glad to have people there and, and like i said we we focused on outdoor activities and um staying safe yeah and i didn't I, I made a general statement sort of on facebook like i'm not asking anyone to meet with me if you want to meet with me you have to ask me <laughs> because i don't want anyone to feel guilty about saying no or or feeling like they have to meet with me you know i just i wanted to be respectful of how people felt about this current situation and i was surprised at how many people wanted to set something up to get together and so it was i i was glad that we made the trip yes um it was the treat and it really it really does feel like a gift to be traveling right now i've always i grew up a poor kid in a small town and so it blows my mind that I'm able to travel anywhere yes. that was not on my radar right. growing up at all. Right. And so, but even more so now with everything going on, I really feel like this trip has been a blessing to be yeah. able to do. And it's, it's just been the way circumstances worked out that yes. we were able to make it happen. Yeah. And I know it's not the trip that you'd planned with the other yarn festivals. I think with a, you know, a lot of things at the moment, you kind of something else comes out of it that you hadn't expected. I mean, we wouldn't be sat here now right. if it wasn't for that, probably, right. would we? You know, I, I and... feel like this is probably the trip I needed right now. The, the other, the original trip, the three countries <laughs> in five and a half weeks or however, <laughs> I think I would have gone crazy. You know, now thinking about it, um, it, it's been really nice to have this slower vacation to, to connect with people again mm. and to just look at this you know this beautiful view um yeah it's been wonderful well i'm really glad we got the opportunity to meet up thank you so much and you know loch ness knit fest last year seems an absolute age away it's like a whole other world yeah yeah Yeah. it seems longer than a year 
Yeah. Definitely. Um, I don't know why. Maybe just because this year has been so been, odd. It would have been like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. From, yeah. From like now. Yeah, because I, I literally came back from Shetland Wool Week and I think three days later I was... Uh, yeah. Or, or the following week, you know, I yeah, was I think at Loch Ness. Yeah, it would have been like last weekend. Yeah. When it would have been. Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, well, thank you and um, thank safe you. travels home. Thank you and, so much. And uh, hopefully next year we will meet in Shetland. I hope so. We'll have to redo this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very well, much, well, Anne. Thank you, thank you. I found that a really personal insight into the reason behind the name of Anne's podcast. And I'm sure it's a phrase that we've, we've all been able to resonate with at some point in our lives. It was really good to hear Anne was welcomed so much in Shetland during this time. And I think you can hopefully get from our chat just how seriously Anne and her husband took everything that was necessary with travelling for them to, to be there. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the conversations with that Anne did in Shetland that are on YouTube. They're definitely worth a watch. What I forgot to talk to Anne about was her involvement with the MRI Mackers, who recently went over a £100,000 raised towards the Shetland MRI appeal, which is incredible. Anne has been amazingly proactive in helping promote the knitting patterns that Harriet Middleton, a Shetlander, designed to raise funds for this appeal. If you don't know, they include Harriet's hat, a headband, mitts, fingerless gloves, gloves and a cowl. And I will put a link again in the show notes to those patterns if you've not seen them. Anne did a lovely interview with Harriet on her podcast, which is episode 15, if you want to go back and have a listen. It really is a wonderful interview, so interesting. And if you did want to hear the interview that Anne did with me at Loch Ness Knitfest last year, you can find that on episode 20. I can't wait to see what Anne has put together for the Hebrides on Sunday. I have been watching the morning introduction videos that she's been doing and I'm looking forward at a quieter time to sitting down and watching all the regional aspects that she has put together for interest, whether they be um, about the place or something that one of the vendors has done or a piece of music. I believe they stay up on the website for a little while and many of the vendors have discounts running up until the 23rd of November. Finally, if you were wondering and did give the video I produced for the OIFF the (laughs) go-ahead, I secretly hoped it wouldn't pass muster. (laughs) But Anne tells me that it did and it's been loaded up onto the system ready to go. I wanted to showcase a bit about our corner of sky, which trying to do on a windy day with a selfie stick was certainly an interesting experience. (laughs) I think I might hide under the duvet and cringe when it goes live. (laughs) That's it then for this episode. I do wonder just how many things have arisen from circumstances of changing plans around the pandemic will carve out new ways of doing things for some time to come. And if not for you know, many, many years to come. I'm not going to commit at the moment to the next episode's release date. I need to go away and have a think about my plans for it, work out timings and how I can get back into a better routine for it because I do love doing it. And as I say, I just need to make sure I can bring the best of me to it to you. 
Thank you once again for listening in. I do hope that you are all keeping as well as can be wherever you are under whatever restrictions you are currently experiencing. Take care. In the meantime, you can find the show notes on the website at tjfrog.co.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch, either drop me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk or via the contact page on the website or on Facebook and Instagram as tjfrogsky, Twitter as tjfrogmakes and Ravelry as tjfrog. The music is by Ron Paintant and is licensed from Melody Loops and called One Frog for a Prince. Bye for now. Till next time. <laughs>